Welcome back to the Sports Booth Podcast, where we chat about sport yes. for about an hour. Uh, a, a very special episode, as you, can, <laughs> as you can see, a couple of uh, strapping young lads wearing... Probably one of the uh, worst uniforms in the NRL. Uh, the greatest. Excuse me, what was that? <laughs> I am in a Dragons training jersey. Uh, now we did. We 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 said. I said that the Dragons weren't going to win to August. Uh, made a bet because I doubled down on it. I doubled like they did win in before. So I said I made I made the statement that the Dragons weren't going to win to August. They went and won that week. Then we obviously came on the podcast. I doubled down and I said I'd get a Dragons jersey. Now I'm in a Dragons training jersey. Now why why did I do that? Well, I was going to go and get a, tra- uh, a proper jersey, but they're about 150 bucks. Yeah. And we're not I made of money here. With, with, so with that I kind of thought like, a training jersey works, you know. Yeah. I'll probably still wear it if it's a, a, a training night, if it's rainy, you know, I really want to put some rubbish on that it's going to get messy you, and stuff like that. You know I what, thought, that's, that's fine though, because you know why? Because <laughs> it's good quality. It's good quality. It'll stand up to it. It'll, it'll stand up to the pressure, oh. unlike some other team I could see that, what was it? The other part of the bet was, I think, that the, the Dragon that I bet the Dragons would win before the Titans would. Now, you said the Dragons wouldn't win until August. Well, guess who hasn't won? <laughs> and probably won't be winning until August. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just if got the then, team wrong. If then, they might be lucky to get through August with a win. Uh, yes. So that's so you know why... Put it through all the shit you want, because it's going to come out on the other side stronger. Whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger, oh, unless you're the Gold Coast Titans. Uh, yes, yeah, so that's why we're in the, the, the dual uniform of the Dragons kits. This isn't normal tie for both of us, but it is for Husey, mm. but not myself. So that is yep. what what I'm rocking today. And and it's, it's a bit symbolic of what probably the podcast will be a lot about is the NRL, because uh, obviously not a lot of rugby, a couple of rugby uh, points that I will want to touch on. Uh, now, you may be thinking also, why, Luke, are you in an arm brace? Well, I also play rugby, uh, or a sling, should I say, and yeah. uh, I decided uh, running across the field uh, against a 140-kilogram pain Haas lookalike, and that quickly changed, and I ended up on my shoulder and, uh, yeah, have done some damage to my AC joints. So probably just the mm. one one podcast in the sling. Um, but, yes, that that is probably why Credit we're a where- little... <laughs> credit where credit is due, though. I believe you also got an intercept try. I did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I so, did. Uh, I, I so was he puts on the, in the work. I will give that to my co-host. He puts in the work. Well, I, I must say the the only reason I even went for the intercept was I just actually missed a touch finder uh, from a penalty as a as a as a first five. You, you don't break the rule of missing touch, and I've broken it many no. a time this year. And I thought, fuck, I got to do something now, and so grabbed the intercept. And then quickly found myself on a treadmill, not moving anywhere, <laughs> anywhere too quickly. Uh, so I'll probably put a clip up of me running on a treadmill um, and scoring an intercept try. But yes, I then got demolished by Payne Haas uh, 2.0 and uh, will be out for the rest of the season. So that was good fun while it lasted. Uh, but yes. So yep. on the on the potty day, we'll be uh, obviously discussing the NRL round 19 mm-hmm. Chat a little bit about rugby. I've got a couple of key points to bring up, especially around the All Blacks coaching um, decisions and the All Blacks coaching setup, and just kind of a look back into the past for that. And then we're going to touch briefly on the NFL, uh, but not in a way you probably expect, so stay tuned yeah. for that. But let's start off, Hughes. You wanted to kick us off with the NRL, my friend. Yes. Now, um, look, last, last week... In previous podcasts, um, it has been noted that uh, 
so two two podcasts ago, and then in the last podcast, it's been noted that uh, I can, um, you know, uh, I have a bit of a marketing kind of spin to things, <laughs> uh, put a bit of a put a bit of my own twist on sort of things, and and, and generate headlines. You know, if there's one thing about me, I'm a headline generator. So I thought what I'd do this week. Right is I would would challenge myself right in in a segment that I'm calling uh, Hughes's hyperbolic headlines, right? <laughs> and I decided to to challenge myself in an alliteration challenge. So I've challenged myself this week to come up with headlines only using the letter S. Uh, and so for for two of the NRL matches, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try and continue this segment. So for two of the matches, I've come up um, I've come up with two headlines here, right? So and then what we'll do is we'll put up a little poll and. Then and you can vote on which one is your is your favorite, um, or maybe option three: stick to your day job. Uh, but <laughs> but um, look, I've got two two S filled headlines here. The only could be more S's in these headlines is if I was uh, you know Snape in Slytherin House. Or something like that. Like, <laughs> there's more S's here than uh, in the Snake Pen at Taronga Zoo. So without further ado, I'm going to start with I think the team the jerseys that we're wearing. So the first headline. Uh, that I have here, back page of the, the Sydney Morning Herald here is uh, St. George's Superman serves sizable spanking to shocking sea eagles. <laughs> so I think that's, that's a uh, pretty that's a strong one. one. That's a good, pretty good strong start. One. Pretty strong one. Now, uh, here, here, here's another one. All right. Now, uh, there's, there's something else with the NRL I want to I want to touch on, and I'll probably touch it in the good, bad, and the ugly. But um, but I tipped eight out of eight this week. First time I've done it all season, and one of my biggest calls this week, and I think one of the biggest calls for a lot of people in their tipping this week was the South versus Melbourne game. And I tipped Souths in that game. I just had a feeling, uh, and it and it came off. So and the the obviously now the Storm have lost four in a row. So the headline I've come up with for this one uh, is. Uh, Storm's sink, stinking season sinks as Slicked slept on South Surge semi-finalward. <laughs> there you go. So oh many S's. God. So many S's. I'm, oh, so marketing many S's. I'm speaking parcel tongue. Yeah. So sure you did those the right are your degree? two options there. <laughs> <laughs> that's, look, oh. that's just the natural talent coming out, baby. Oh. I don't need a degree. <laughs> so there you go. Those are your two headlines. Um, you vote on our Instagram. So again, just to, just to recap, so you have them in direct contrast. We've got St. George's Superman serves sizable spanking to shocking sea eagles against Storm's stinking season sinks as Slick slept on South Surge semi-finalward. <laughs> yeah. Oh, so those are your options there. Hughes' hyperbolic headlines. Uh, we'll be back next week unless everybody fucking hates it. <laughs> <laughs> Vote in our Instagram. We'll see how we go with yeah. that. Uh, yeah. And yeah, we'll, we'll, maybe we'll Hopefully carry we it on. Hopefully we can fit all the characters in there. We'll see. <laughs> I, think, I think I'll have to do... Option one, option two. Option one, option like two, that. something like that. Yeah, yeah, but I'll find a yeah. way to fit it in there. Um, and maybe we have, maybe we have like a um, King of the Hill type situation. Mm. Like, like you know, each week the winner comes back and sees if you can get knocked off by the new headlines or something like that. I don't yeah. know. We'll see. We'll we'll think about it in our in our uh, in our office rooms. Uh, obviously, at the headquarters when we do all our thinking for sports booth, which not a lot of thinking gets done. But no, uh, <laughs> not. I like that. Usually, I do. That's a new segment to the podcast. Yeah. First time yeah. I, he didn't didn't even mention it to me. So uh, first no, time I, I heard it don't. as well. I, if I had to vote yeah. as, a, as a pre-vote, I would uh, option A. I think. As 
as in the mm. the dragons one, the Superman one was fantastic. I think. So, I can see yeah. it's it's seeping into you now. You're becoming, it, yeah, I'm wearing the red part of the St George <laughs> The red V. It's going to be tattooed on my chest soon. That V. Uh, shall we move on to the good, bad, and the ugly? I, I did have a quick bonus one uh, for you here, <laughs> just based on some. Uh, Based on some recent news, uh, and this will also come up my good, bad, and ugly, but Kevin Proctor has been um, uh, uh, released, released from the Titans after uh, schmacking a vape at halftime. <laughs> I don't know why I said schmacking a vape. I don't know if that's a term. It's a new term, kids, schmacking a vape. Um, and so uh, the quick little headline I came up with that uh, just now is um, Proctor's puffs put past President Penniless. <laughs> there you go. That's a quick little oh, bonus one. Oh, God. Yep. Yes, yep. So let's get on to the good, bad, and ugly. I'll start off yep. as always. Um, I'm not going to lie. Uh, we obviously don't speak about that team from the Gold Coast. So that's yep. why it will be in none of our good, bad, and uglies. Don't worry. It wasn't we, even in the headline. We 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 understand that they have and deservedly be probably deserve to be somewhere in the bad and ugly section, but that team from the Gold Coast is not going to mention until they mm. shape up. And I'm a Gold Coast fan. I want everyone to know that who hasn't listened to this podcast before. So we can do that on this podcast. Um, mm. My good for the round, and I'm I'm going to get into deep, really deep into this good, uh, the Raiders. Now, the Raiders mm. didn't put on a great performance against the Warriors, but what I want to touch on is their run home. And I um, highly believe they'll be making the top eight uh, just because of their... their just purely because of their run home and looking at that, I go, man, it's not a team I'd like to see. Now, again, I'm just going to take you back. Uh, I want to take you all back. So they April 30th, this is, we're going to go all the way back to there for the Raiders game. So the Raiders lost the Warriors 21-20 on a Sean Johnson field goal. Since then, they've beaten, obviously, the Dogs, but not a big one. Sharks, Rabbitohs, lost to the Eels by eight. Beat the Roosters, lost to the Broncos by six. Beat the Knights, lost to the Dragons by two, beat the Storm, beat the Warriors. Now, what they've got left. Now, the, the Dragons won. Other than that, you know, you can – Brisbane and the Eels, top eight teams, and even the Dragons uh, have shown some fight, and, and I must give them credit where credit is due. Same points on the ladder. Same points on the ladder, yeah. The, the, the win last week surprised me big time against the Sea Eagles. Um, but so going forward, now the Raiders have got the Titans – then they've got the Panthers at home, which I think will be game uh, kind of season-defining if they can go as far as I think they can go. Even if they don't beat the Panthers, they've got the, then the Dragons at home, which could be season-defining, as in the statement yep. I'm making about top eight. They go away to the Knights, home to the Seagulls, away to the Tigers. So you're telling me their away games are the Titans, Knights, and Tigers, which are quite clearly the three worst teams in the comp. And then you've got the Panthers, Dragons, and Seagulls at home. Now, other than the Panthers... Seals and Dragons are obviously in the same ballpark of quality yep. as they are, and you get them as a home game where they've now won, you know, two on the trot and a tough loss to the Dragons. Let's all presume they're going to beat the Titans. If they beat the Panthers, that run home. It just, to me, goes, shit. <laughs> uh, these Raiders are starting to fire at the right time. Um, and there's one player I want to particularly... I think out. I know which player it is. It is a former Gold Coast player, Jamal Fogarty. Yeah. Uh, I said it at the start of the year, and he's only briefly yep. been back. And last week he put on two try assists, had two line breaks, a line break assist, multiple tackle breaks, a forced dropout, all with zero errors and zero missed tackles. I mean, 
if you couldn't get a more stand-up performance for his seventh game of the season, and, you know, like, he's only just coming into form. He takes so much pressure off uh, Whiten. Uh, he kicked for over 300 metres. I just go, man, these Raiders are getting it together. The way Tuppany's playing, the way Papali's playing, yeah. uh, uh, Papali'i, sorry, it's just, it's going to be scary. They've got uh, back rows coming out of the arse with Elliot, Hudson Young, Haranara, Elliot Whitehead, you know. I just go, this team is stacked. Uh, and I, I can really see a big push coming towards the end of the season, and so they are my good for this week. 100%. I was going to give you uh, props on that, saying that you were, you know, I said at the start of the season, I, I had a bit of a funny feeling about them, didn't think <laughs> they were probably going to do as well as what people thought, and you said, I think it, it'll all deter it'll all turn on Jamal Fogarty and hundred percent right. Look what that's what's happened. You know, uh, when Fogarty's come in and the, the more he's played, the better they've looked. Um, they've, they've really turned it around. And yeah, look, I think the, the, the they, you're right. They've got two season defining matches coming up, dragons and sea eagles, right? The, the Panthers one, I think, I don't know that'll be season defining because I, Panthers have lost one game this year. They're on an insane terror form, Right. That'll that'll determine. That won't be season defining. That'll be finals defining. About how far these Raiders can go in the finals, I think. Yep. But they have to. You're 100 right. They have to beat the Dragons. Have to beat the Sea Eagles. Those are the two teams. Those three teams are all tied on the ladder, right? So those are the teams. If they want to elevate themselves above, and the Roosters are tied at the same level as well. Though, but the Sea Eagles and Dragons. If you want to get into the top eight, you have to uh, put yourself over the top of, of those two teams. I mean, look, I, I you know I'm always going to back my Dragons, but from what I saw from the Sea Eagles this week, the Raiders should get that done. Yeah, uh, and and again, like I, I after the Dragons win last week, again they could pull anything out. We've seen the Sea Eagles do it, but I just go if if the Raiders pull off an upset, and and if the, any team's going to do it, I could see them beating the Panthers. Uh, obviously, they've got to tick off the Titans, and I, I'm yeah. I'm not I'm obviously a Titans supporter, so I hope the Titans win. But I think it's a it's a long shot. Um, so I kind of go they're in just in a great position. I feel like a team who's in not such a good position. Parramatta Eels, and you said it, mm. the consistency is the issue. However, I think the consistency's now got the better of them, and we're actually seeing a team that's just not that good. Yeah. Um, now let's go back again. Let's look back at their their games, and let's go back all the way back to May 6th when they beat the Panthers, that one loss you just mentioned. They then lost to the Roosters, beat the Seagulls, beat the Raiders, lost to the Bulldogs, lost to the Roos- uh, beat the Roosters, lost to the Rabbits, Bet the Tigers, bet the Eels. Now, the issue I have is even in beat, those winning games. Beat sorry. the Eels, I think you mean lost to the Broncos. Lost to the Broncos, that's the one, to finish it off. Uh, in, I mean, they did beat themselves, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in all of those losses, they're big losses. So yep. it's not like they're even in the fight. When they lose, they lose big. They've then now got the Panthers at home, the Sea Eagles away, the Rabbitohs at home, the Dogs at home, the Broncos away, and then the Storm at home to finish the season. I only see them winning one of those games. And again, of, a, of the Eels team that can turn up, they can win games. But you are, they only go into the, one of those games, and that's the Dogs game, I think, as favourites. I think every other game, they are not favourites. Now, you're sitting there. You're I sitting there. The Storm game. Uh, yeah, well, I'll I'll come to that when you get your to your one because I've I've got yeah. a feeling about the storm. Um, yeah. But I go all of those games. I think I think again, any Eels team could turn up, and we know because they've beaten the Panthers, and this is going to be a big game against the Panthers again. You know, crosstown rivals. 
if they want to show, because that's that's the one thing that's keeping the Eels in the hunt this season for a premiership is everyone goes, well, they've beat the Eels, uh, the, the mm. Panthers, they've beat the Storm. Like, they're a good team on their day. I just don't think enough of their days are going to come around. And I think they actually lose uh, every game by the, the Bulldogs game from here on out and quite royally bottled the season that they had going. Yeah. Look, I'd not too much to disagree with there. I mean, as you said, when I get to my uh, good, bad and ugly, I'll speak some more about the Melbourne Storm. I think that final game will really be who comes into favour of that. I mean, it's obvious to say it now, but it'll really, the next couple of weeks will really determine that one. Um, yeah, look, Parramatta Eels, they go one week where they just absolutely light it up and look like, okay, this is their premiership window. They've got fantastic players there, like, representative level players across the board, right? You know, as much as Nathan Cleary is the starting halfback for New South Wales and potentially Australia, Mitchell Moses has played halfback uh, origin ha- level uh, and didn't look out of place there. Uh, he And he he's he's really good. Dylan Brown is an amazing 5'8 as well. You know, Junior Paolo, origin front row. Regan Campbell-Gillard, origin front row. Reed Marnie was in the Queensland camp last year, right? Uh, they've got... Yeah, you know, that's not even to mention, um, you know, Siva on the wing, Gutho at fullback and everything like that. They've got quality players, but it's just one of those things where it just seems like it's just not consistent. Okay. Like, and that's the, it's, it, that's the word. It's like, that's, that's the, that's the whole thing with these eels is, is the consistency. It's just, I, I you kind of throw your hands up and it's got to be frustrating to be an eels fan because you, you look at this team and you, you, you see them like week to week, you don't know what you're going to get. The only thing you know, you're going to get every week is something different. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And, and that's no better way you could put it than that. Every week yeah. as an Eels fan, you must know you're going to get something different. Uh, and then my ugly are the Knights. Now, back-to-back 42-12 yeah. to 12 losses. Before that, a 40-28 to 28 loss to the Rabbitohs. Three games, letting them 40 points. I I don't quite know what they're thinking in, in their Hunter Valley or Newey because... I don't think Adam O'Brien's that great of a coach, uh, and they keep on extending or re-signing or doing whatever to him. Uh, I think, as we can see, Pong is one of the best players on the field when he gets going. He hasn't been able to get going for the Knights, and obviously it's clear he's had his concussion issues, which is a, a part of the ugly. But just the, the Knights as a whole, it's another team where you can go, look, both Safiti brothers have had origin experience. You've got enough players there who are good enough players. You've got Andrew Johns in the backfield, and you're just not delivering anything, like anything. Anthony Milford even, you know, for time there. The the, the game against the Titans four weeks ago, I think it is now, gave me hope that, oh, these Knights might actually be able to push, you know, not maybe a top eight, but push, uh, you know, at least 11th on the table. I just, uh, you, you go... Okay, there's three terrible teams at the moment, and the Warriors, um, but we won't get started on the Warriors. I'll give them a pass mark for this season for the mess that they've created. Um, But there's three bad teams, and it's the Tigers, the Knights, and the Titans. I think any team that goes into those games should expect to win. The only team that seems to have any damn backbone are the Tigers, and that's only once every four weeks. The Titans don't have a defensive backbone. They've just got some decent attack. And the Knights just don't have anything at the moment. So I kind of go, the Knights have joined those two other teams as, a, as an ugly for me. Yeah, very ugly. And I think there, there's even talk of sitting Kalen Ponga for the rest of the season, which I think is the smart move. He's done. You're not going to the finals. Yeah. You're gonna, you're, all you're doing is risking his career. Uh, I think, yeah, just sit him for the rest of the season. Realise it's a lost season. 
look at what you've got and think, well, why is this a lost season? What, where has this gone wrong? Uh, look, I think they need to be looking at their halves. I said it at the start of the season. I think it was it's probably the worst halves pairing in the competition. I don't think that's necessarily untrue. I don't. I think that's. I they're, think we they're actually terrible. We, said, we said that and the Cowboys, didn't we? <laughs> we and said now. yeah, we said the Cowboys. <laughs> the Cowboys <laughs> completely. <laughs> I, I I've got it. Yeah, I, I was just yeah. looking actually uh, at our at our sports with NRL sheet where we had our top eight predictions at the start of the season and at the when we finish at the and get our final top eight we'll go back and look at that but we're both very wrong in some cases um well the titans are the clear the clear issue there the titans and cowboys we did we had them switch around we had them switch around we knew one of the queensland teams was going to be good um we just weren't sure which one in fact two queensland teams are good this year which is great (laughs) for rugby league um but yeah look the the knights uh you're right they've got origin talent at multiple levels, but I think their halves is where it's where it happens. Now I'm not; it's not a knock against Clifford and uh, 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 Adam. I'm forgetting his name, and he used to play for Clune. St George. Clune. Clune. I was I was going to say Adam. I knew I was like I knew it's a C, but Adam <laughs> Clune. Even Milford's brought a little bit of a spark there. Milford going to the Dolphins, which I think is good. Uh, but yeah, you've got like talent there. It's just like, well, what's what's happening? Um, I like their winger Dominic Young. I think he's a really exciting uh, yep. player. Uh, and yeah, their forward pack is a menace. So it's just like, where is things, where is, where's it all gone wrong? Yep. Um, so yeah, look, the, the Knights will look back on this as a pretty wasted season after getting to the finals last year. Um, but now onto my good, bad and the ugly. So my good for the round, it was a great week for me after last week being pretty <laughs> damn miserable. This week was great. I had a perfect round of tipping and St. George won. St. George keeping their finals hopes alive is probably my main good uh, in all of that, uh, but there was there was there's a lot of good to go around. Like, I, and so my, my good for the round is this round because, as I said, for me it was a great round. Uh, you know, uh, the the Souths are really coming on strong, and this is the late season push they had last year where they wound up going to the grand final. The Trail Mitchell looks to just be on another level right now, and you can see how much New South Wales have missed him, yep. right? Um, and that the fire and the passion that he brings as well uh, to to every every game that he plays. Um, Dragons showed some toughness uh, in that win over the, the Seagulls as well. Losing Cody Ramsey is going to be tough, but when you've got Tyrell Sloan to f- slot in at fullback, hopefully, and not Moses Embai, fingers crossed, <laughs> then, uh, then you know, you're not doing too bad. The Broncos are storming towards, they're in the top four now. Roosters are recapturing some of their magic, and this was without Joey Manu. He's against the Knights, sure, but they're starting to, to, to switch it on a little bit. I think Connor Watson is probably an underrated signing for this season, reunited back at the Roosters. Um, the Raiders continue their role towards the finals as well. It's such a tight, so... 8th, 9th, 10th, 11th, I believe, are all tied at 20 points apiece. That's the Roosters, Sea Eagles, Raiders, and Dragons. Right? And this is where the four and against is really hurting the Dragons because they're at the bottom of the pile now. Yes. Um, so And a few tough games ahead. But you know what? I'm always going to pick my Dragons. Uh, and, and look, there's, there's, there are teams slipping as well, like the Eels, as we've mentioned, um, that, that, that could possibly slip out. Uh, the Storm are slipping. I don't think the Storm will miss out on a top eight spot, but they are slipping. Um, and that brings us on actually to my bad for the round. My bad for the round is the Melbourne Storm. And I've had them in my good column quite a number of times this year. Uh, like when they put up 120 points across two rounds. Like it's, it's insane how much has changed. And yes, they're copping injuries. Uh, they've lost paps for the rest of the season, right? You know, you could sense the desperation 
in the Melbourne Storm uh, to win now because they know they're going to be losing um, some of these players soon, right? Like, kafusi has gone next year to the Dolphins. Uh, Bromwich Brothers. Uh, Brandon Smith. Yeah, the Bromwich Brothers as well. Uh, uh, Brandon Smith's gone, right? Cameron Munster is will be there next year but might be gone after that to the Dolphins and things like that. The Dolphins have upped their offer and everything like that. So... Stormer and win now, and they're you know they're reaching out to try and bring Reese Walsh because he's been stood down by the Warriors for whatever reason. So <laughs> to see if they can bring Reese Walsh across the rest of the season on a loaner. Same with the Fox, and I I'm glad the Bulldogs came out and immediately slapped that down because yeah sure they're not they're not playing for the finals this year, but what I like I like what I'm seeing from the Bulldogs last couple weeks. They're playing for pride the rest of the season. They're building for they're playing for next year, um, and they're showing what they've got. And I think they're probably going to be looking back a little bit on this season being like. How much did Trent Barrett fuck stuff up for us? If this is kind of how we can we can perform, um, but yeah, the Melbourne Storm losing four in a row for the first time since like 1998. Well, well, insane. Well, well. 2012, mate. 2012 was it? Five, about they lost five in a row in 2012. I'm thinking of the maybe. All Blacks in 1998. <laughs> I knew like the dynasties in my head. The All Blacks losing on home, home soil. It was like not since nineteen, yeah, a yeah, whole whole yeah. whole bunch of stuff, uh, yeah. <laughs> since yeah, but still, ten years, right? A long time. It's a it's a long long time. So, fucking hell, like what's going on down in Melbourne? You know, you could point to the injuries, but I think there's a little bit of uh, fatigue in the club, honestly. Like when you've been playing at such a high level, you've got these standards set on you, you've got all these origin level players and people having to play different positions because of injuries and things like that. It just takes a toll on you. Um, and, and that's what I think the Storm, um, uh, just sort of DJ carletting at the moment and suffering from success. So <laughs> that's what I think is wrong with the Storm right now. I, I'm going to give you a quick rebuttal because I knew this would come down on one of your one of your yeah. bad or uglies because uh, it is, it is a, it's, a, it's a rare moment to see the Storm yeah. lose four in a row. But the last time, like we discussed, 2012, five in a row, they went on to win the Premiership. Mm-hmm. Now, what has me fearful is people are starting to all say the same thing about the Stormers. Ah, can they do this? Can they do that? I think they're going to be real trouble come towards the end of the season. I think they get their act together. I um, I truly believe in Craig Bellamy will turn this around. I think the halves will step up. Um, we talk about how great Cam Mounster is, and he hasn't been playing as as level, but that's what Origin does take a toll out of you. COVID does take a toll yeah. out of you. I think uh, everyone who chooses to question the storm, just do it with caution, because I think they're a team that, if they get hot at the right time, they will beat you. And finals experience is a big thing. They could they could easily do what, what the Rabbits did last year and run through it. So uh, I see I see why they are your bad for the four in a row, but I also say just still don't don't cross don't put a line through them yet. Oh, and I know you're not I'm, doing that. I'm absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. It's just bad that they've lost four in a row. And that's plain Craig Bellamy's come out and said the same thing. Right. So uh, yeah. You know, it's a bad, it's bad for the club, and it, that's that's the standard we've come from the Melbourne Storm, right? You know, some clubs lose like four in a row, and it's like that's a regular four week stretch for them. I'm looking at the Titans and the Tigers. Eight in a row, eight in a row. Yeah, we've done yeah. eight in a row. That's I see, you've yeah. done it twice. You doubled. You're twice as good as the Storm. There you go. Um, yes, we you know, beat them. <laughs> yeah, you beat them at something. Um, so. You know, but a lot of clubs, it's like that's that's run of the mill, right? That's this. It, it is what it is, kind of thing. For the storm, though, it's alarm bells, it's panic stations. It's like the, the, the 
the Melbourne Storm are the New England Patriots of the NRL, right? They are the the dynasty that just seems to always be contending. They're always winning lots of games, and when they start losing games, it's like, what the hell's going on? Um, so it, it's bad by their standards, but for sure, definitely not counting them out. Um, I don't know if they'll if they'll if they'll win the whole thing like they did back in 2012 with with the players that they got missing, because um, I think Pappenhausen is so important to that club, but. Yeah, they, they, they'll definitely be there and it be a headache for a lot of teams. Now, my ugly. I I came into this with, with an ugly. Um, but I'm actually going to do two uglies this week because I've just seen some breaking news um, uh, from Fox League. Um, and, and I'll get to that in a second. I'll give you a chance to look at it. But my first ugly has to be the, the travesty, the daylight robbery or mid-evening robbery that we saw in our final game of the week, which was the Cowboys versus the West Tigers. There was so much wrong with the ending of that game and how the Cowboys were able to walk away from it with a win. Look, I don't put any of it on the Cowboys. They, When you're playing a professional sport, you do anything that you can do to win, right? And so they, were, they, they tried the challenge. The challenge worked. They got the penalty. They got the points. That's absolutely... Not on them. It's not on them. It is 100% on the referees in the bunker who should have absolutely never allowed that challenge in the first. So one, the challenge should never have been allowed because it was the end of the game. It was the end of the game, right? The full time should have been blowed because the referee on the field didn't see anything wrong with the play. So the clock shouldn't have stopped. So full time should have gone, right? The NRL is already coming out and admitting that they've fucked a few things up here. So that's, that's issue number one with that. Was the referee... Didn't call time off, so the clock should have still kept running, so it should have been full-time. So why it wasn't full-time, I don't know. Because the referee didn't see foul play, so why would why would he not call time off? I don't know. <laughs> Next thing, though, was the bunker themselves. That, that call, I think, was pretty, pretty tough on the Tigers. I could see where the bunker's coming from if i was a diehard cowboys fan i'd be like oh yeah he clearly took out kyle felt he looked at kyle felt once before he started running then he started running and kept his eyes on the ball and kept going for the ball the entire time he didn't change his line he stayed in the same line and was, was going for the ball i think that's a very very harsh penalty there on the tigers now the tigers are considering all options the Cowboys are prepared to defend themselves to the wit's end. As I said, I don't put any of this on the Cowboys. It is not the Cowboys' fault at all. You go out there to win a game, and you you do whatever you legally can to, to win that game. And that's what they did, right? But that is what the referees and officials are there for, is to make sure that it is done legally and properly. And in that, they failed this week. They failed. So that is my first ugly of the week, and I'll give you I'm a just, chance to respond. Yeah. I, there's two things I, I take from this. And firstly, uh, I think the, the NRA have come out and said that there actually isn't anything in the rules to say that you can't challenge full time and stuff. Like, there's 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 no rule. Like it's just hasn't been written down, hasn't been fought about type thing like that. Mm-hmm. So I don't, again... I agree. Like there was a lot going on. I don't. I don't blame the on-field ref for any of this because even the the fact that he just sent it up, get it checked. Like I don't, in the heat of the moment, do that. Just check it. Like let's just check it. Let's see it. Now there's two things. Is it a penalty? No, I don't believe it is. Did he slightly change his line at the start and run more infield? Of course he did. He definitely did. Now, does that mean he took foul out? No. Like 
felt ran into him. That was a collision. Yeah. Shouldn't be a penalty in my books. However, in a situation like that, I would avoid any contact. Like, that's the first thing to me. Like, I would be telling my players, avoid any contact, don't do anything that could ever give away a, a penalty, anything like that. It's like you're down by four points in an NBA game. You don't touch the defender if you're shooting a three-pointer because you give the chance that he's – you don't go near him. You don't do anything. He went close enough to put some reasonable doubt into the Brunker's mind, okay? So, A, dumb there. B, do I think if that's in general play – if that's in general play, that, that a referee on the field could blow a penalty and we wouldn't be having this discussion? Yes. Like, if you know what I mean, like, in general play, if that kick goes to the corner and the referee blows a penalty for an escort and we review, like, if we, no no review, you just see it on the TV, do we go, oh, that's a harsh penalty, but it is, like, we don't make that much of a big deal over it? That happens. This has been happening for far too long in league. That's my issue. Yeah. Is... These run-of-the-mills collisions, these blocking penalties, it's such a great... It's one of the few grey areas, like, you know, within league that they've started to bring out. Because it has happened, like, they run across. I think we need to start going with the, the, the rugby kind of state of it, where it goes, it needs to be clear and obvious. Because that wasn't clear and obvious blocking. Like, oh, that no. wasn't... He, he's run slightly across field. He's slightly made contact, has felt made contact first, who knows. Again... I totally agree with you. It's a harsh decision. It's not the right decision, I don't think, but there's enough doubt there to, to make a decision. And so that 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 kind of hurts me a little bit. Is there's just so much grey area and doubt there to make a decision where I'm like, as bad as I think the bunker's call was, there's enough doubt there where you can you could make like one time out of ten, that's the decision that's made, if you know what I mean. And so yeah, it hurts. Which is, that, that's which the is bad. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I it mean, is. If, as you, I think the analogy made of general play is a really good one to look at. Like, if this happened in general play, would we still think it's a really harsh penalty? Yes, we would. Obviously, it's it's being blown up more because it's it's cost them the game, right? It, it's 100% cost them the game. Uh, now, of course, you could come out with things like, oh, well, if they deserved to win, they would have made sure that they had enough points <laughs> during regular time, this, that, and the other. First of all, eat literal shit if that's, if that's your opinion. Like, that's the stupidest <laughs> fucking thing in the world. Like... Game, every single point in a, in a game matters, right? Whether by an inch or by a mile, a win is a win. So, you know, you can't have it both ways. So that definitely cost of the game. I think we saw it in general play. It would still be, we would all still think it's a really harsh penalty. If, say, that happened earlier in the game and then the Cowboys still end up winning by one, I think people would still be upset. Like this penalty that was clearly not supposed to be a penalty was, um, was given. Um, I think the fact that, one, the referee didn't, um, didn't blow his whistle and enabled the Cowboys to have a challenge. and didn't shut down the challenge. I think that that referee, and even though the NRL has come out and said that, yes, they can do that. If the referee didn't feel like there was a penalty, why did the referee not call the game yeah. in the first place? Right? So that to me is a bit stinky. He was sort of giving the Cowboys the opportunity there to challenge, which meant he thought, okay, maybe something funky has gone on here. But it's such a cowardly thing because he didn't blow the penalty. He thinks, okay, maybe something has happened, but I don't want to call a penalty, right, and have it be on my shoulders that I've called a penalty and and that's given the Cowboys the win. So, But what he's done is he's sort of walked the middle road and he's gone, oh, I'll just walk over to the Cowboys and see if they want to challenge. And they did, right, which is – it shouldn't have been allowed. If you – as a referee, you have to make the decision, right? Or at least he could have – he himself could have gone up to the bunker and said, hey, I think something's gone on here. I'm not 100% sure. Check it out. So I think the referee chose well, I don't the think worst he can. of three I don't think he can do that. 
He can't well, go up to the bunker because of this captain. And that's the that's the thing. Like I get a hundred percent what you're saying. Like that would yeah. be a, a much smarter way of doing it. If he goes, hey, can we review that? Like yeah. like rugby does with a TMO and just go bunker. You decide if that's. But because they've brought these captains' challenge, it is down to the team now. So I don't think he can actually go up. And I see what you're saying because he has. Yeah, if he can't go, if he can't go up, then then he's got to make the decision. Is it a penalty? Exactly. Is it not? Yeah, and so and and he didn't. He didn't. And do I think his job. he he made his decision that it wasn't a penalty because he didn't think it was. Because yeah. if he what thought it was, it would have been a penalty. So yeah. exactly. So he needs to blow his whistle then and there. Now, whether or not you allow challenges after full time, I think that certainly should be something that the NRL has codified. Because I mean, we've seen it right here. Like, how many times have we got super close to the end of the games with wild calls that we don't know if we can challenge or not? And usually. What it comes down to is a team scoring a try, which is then automatically reviewed or something like that, or it's a golden point kick or something like that. This is, you know, one of those cases where it's not any of those it fits in one of those predefined boxes, but it's a fairly easy box to to see happen when you have these challenges brought in. And uh, yeah, the NRL has failed there. The referee has failed by not blowing full time, um, and and yeah, the the bunk has failed by giving away a harsh penalty. So I think. Yeah, the Tigers rightly feel hard done by by that, and I'm very interested to see what the results of this are because there's talk of the Tigers launching like a full-on legal challenge to get the result overturned, which would be absolutely insane to see in the modern game. But well, it just it can't happen. It cannot happen. I'm sorry. As much as that, I uh, even if I was a Tiger supporter, I. I don't think it, it sets a precedent for the game if that happens. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I think it just has to be. That's exactly yep. why I'm so interested to see. What <laughs> it will be. It will yeah. be an interesting. All right, your second now, ugly. Now, a second ugly. It's just popped up on my on, on my newsfeed from Fox League, uh, and, and I really can't believe we're having to still do this in 2022. So Manly this week ha, have brought out a jersey that has got uh, the rainbow. On it for um, for LGBTQ um, like al- allyship, you know, not even you know, it, it's a couple of stripes on their jersey, right? And apparently, seven of their players are refusing to wear the jersey because of the affiliations with LGBTQ. Now, for fuck's sake, it's 2022, all right? As have your religious affiliations and whatnot. Right, you can believe in it, or you can't, or you don't believe it. All right, but it's a. F- it... We're at the stage now. Or I like to think we're at the stage now where we support everyone's everyone's views and things like that. Now we get live television broadcasts of players in prayer circles before and after the games and things like that, promoting their religious view and singing. Oh, what a great thing this is! All these players praying together and whatnot. So, if we're allowed to show that on TV, if you're going to, and if people, they put their religious symbols on their tape and everything like that, they put Bible verses and things on their, on their, their tape and, and on their play, persons and things like that. So, if, if you're, if the, if you think that's okay to do, and it is, that's fine, you know, do what, do what you like. We are all, we're all a community, we're all, together if you don't agree with with being gay first of all that's your own issue and you really need to work on that right you don't have to be gay but you just have to accept that 
people are gay. It exists. It's not a sin or any of that other religious bullcrap. Uh, and if you think of lesser of someone for, for, for being gay or whatever sexuality they are, whatever gender they choose to define as, I, look, it's a controversial to say on a sports podcast, but you know, you you really have some issues, and you need to work on that because everyone is equally uh, worthy of the same rights and representation, no matter what uh, religion, race, creed, whatever they they belong to. Now, for such a long time, people in that community have been excluded from s- sport, right, and have really felt, you know difficult to bring up in sport and we've both played sport at at different levels and things like that and you know it is very much a boys club and stuff like that is just not talked about and you know what you know if you if you are uh that way there's enough professional athletes that have that have come out as gay and have said how the locker room changes uh around them now i thought that had changed you know when carl nassib from the nfl came out um two years ago he was widely applauded and lauded and his teammates were supportive and it was a news story for a couple of weeks and then that was about it he then just was a, another player uh celebrating uh the struggles of those um the people in the lgbtq community through sports and providing a wider audience on learning about the history of that and 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 the struggle of that community i think is a great thing to do because it's taking that awareness to a place which has typically been a place of of struggle for people of um, uh, LGBTQ uh, sexuality and identity and things like that. It is it is showing you know maybe some kids that grow, have grown up in, in an environment where it's not really talked about or it's been condemned and things like that. That hey, it is okay to be who you are. It's okay to 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 feel the things that you feel, and that's something that athletes should be celebrating because you know we've had so many different forms of representation in sports now you know we've got women in league we've got the men in league mental health round you know we're celebrating um indigenous um culture where you know all you know islander culture and things like that right so we're able to celebrate so many different things through sport and we should be making sport an inclusive place and getting more people into sport and creating the bonds that sport can create when you're it's very hard to to the bonds that you make through a team sport are very hard to create or recreate anywhere else right and to and denying those people or denying any people the the opportunity to make those bonds is, is i think just is, is cruel so celebrating diversity in all its forms not only cultural you know not only gender-based, but sexuality as well, I think is a tremendous thing for sport to be doing. And I think it's very brave for the NRL to be doing it, as I said, as a place that typically has not been friendly to that kind of thing. Uh, sports as a whole, and, and rugby and other sort of contact sports in particular, because, you know, that's just the sort of the attitude that uh, rugby and contact sports seem to have. So the fact, so, so this story, uh, and, you know, hopefully it is just a, a rumor or something like that, or hopefully it, it can be smoothed out. The refusing to wear those jerseys, I think is is really really sad in the modern day and age, right? And you know, think what you want to think privately, but uh, you know, society has said we accept these people always trying. We we've you know we've come out in support of gay marriage here in Australia, right? We've got Mardi Gras, we've got Pride Month and things like that. We, we can't deny that these people uh, exist, like we like has been tried to do in the past. They are in an every 
part of the fabric of our society and refusing to wear the jersey because, you know, for whatever reason, for whatever reason you might want to refuse to wear the jersey, I think is is quite sad. It's very sad for me to see uh, rugby league as part of, as now a problem for this. And yeah, it, it, I'm I'm grateful that I'm not a Sea Eagles fan because I would be very disappointed in those players in my club if that was my club. Yeah, I mean, there's a couple of things that comes up, and I I saw the jerseys pop up. I didn't see. I haven't seen this story still. Um, and again, uh, I don't want to make any assumptions. It's got to do with religion, but mm. there's a there's a pretty good chance. Um, I think two things comes to my mind here, and it'll be interesting how this plays out if this is a story. In fact, again. Always can't always read what you get from Fox and can't always read too far into it. Um, yeah. Because it may have just been, you know, one of the players mentioned it to his mates, who's mentioned it to his mates, who's now got the story back to his things that, oh, I don't want to wear that top. And again, that's terrible as it is. But A, surely the Sea Eagles takes us to the players first and has an internal discussion about this so that this never, ever mm. becomes a story. Secondly... It'll be interesting to see what stance they take if players say they don't want to wear the jersey. Will they take the stance of not wearing the jersey or will they take the stance of you're not playing for the Manly Seagulls then? Because if they go, okay, then you don't want to wear the jersey this round, you will not be playing for the Manly Seagulls, it actually makes a mass, pretty massive statement to the, to the world and yeah. to everyone watching Rugby League about where they stand. So as bad as this could be, of a story, there there actually could be the possibility of it being a a pretty pretty good story of 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 the right decisions get made. I guess behind closed doors. Now, a team that's pushing for the finals, there's there's going to be some tough decisions. Let's be honest. Now, sports and politics, everyone knows, don't mix well. But I think there's definitely a place for sports and politics. I'm I'm yeah. one of those big believers that sports and politics do mix. They may not mix well because the chances are whenever they're coming into conversation, it's becoming a negative conversation like we're having here, when really the idea of this is to be a positive conversation. But I think there's an opportunity for this to go well, and I'm hopeful that it does go well. Yeah. Um, you're reading the story, they apparently didn't consult the players. And I can see probably why they wouldn't consult the players, because you'd think that, well, this really shouldn't be an issue. That issue. would be, <laughs> you know, imagine if before... Um, culture round or, or indigenous round. They said, "Okay, we're going to put these jerseys. We we need to just make sure you're all okay with wearing um, these jerseys, right? You know, no one's offended by by these jerseys. It's great to have a consultation with the players in a positive way and say, "Hey, we want to wear." And 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 actually, Jack White and called out Canberra over this the, the other year. They just they just gave them the indigenous jerseys and didn't really and then Jack once like well you didn't consult with any of the indigenous players about what the local indigenous cultures are and what patterns and and and, and cultural artwork should be represented here right so i think a conversation with the players about like hey we want to we want to represent um, pride right and we are going to do it it's happening right how how can we represent that in in the right way um, if anyone has any input so I think those are the positive conversations that can be had. And then that's a chance for education for the players and everything like that as well. Um, so I'm not surprised that they didn't do it. Should they have? Yeah, probably, but not in the way of like, is this do okay? You guys, yeah. do, you, do you guys yeah. want to wear these? It's more like, yeah, exactly what I'm thinking. Like, hey, look, this is what we're looking into doing. Can we get some feedback? What you guys would like to do to do it as well? Uh, um, kind of the, the, yeah. that, that route. Exactly. 
Exactly. And yeah, what you said about sport and politics and sport, you know, I, I, I don't want to uh, be harsh here, but, but frankly, um, sexuality isn't, isn't politics, right? But I get what you're saying of like sports and like sort of social uh, issues and things like that don't generally mix that well. But um, I, I, I do get angry when people say like uh, <laughs> sexuality and uh, like gay marriage is politics or don't bring politics into it and, and things like that. It's not politics. And just and putting it under the banner of politics um, is uh, when, when people do it in a negative way. And again, I'm not saying you did it in a negative way, but when people do do it in a negative way, they're branding it with the same, they're brushing it with the same dirt that politics is associated with yeah. to, to try and sweep it away and say, oh, it's just, it's politics. Politics shouldn't be in sport and blah, blah, blah. It's not politics. It is, it is life. It is what, yeah. It is it's how people uh, live their life, and, and that should be celebrated in all the different ways that that people do do that. Um, but yeah, that was that was my ugly. I, I'm surprised to see it. Uh, frankly, um, I thought we'd sort of move past this, you know, with the whole uh, Israel Folau situation a few years ago. I, I'd really hoped that uh, as a sporting nation we sort of um, moved past this, you know. Uh, but but and, and I'm sad to see that that it's still an issue here in 2022. Yes, that it is. Uh, but yes, that is the NRL round 19 wrapped up. Onto a bit of rugby. Uh, Tonga has qualified for the Rugby World Cup and taken the second to last spot after beating Hong Kong 44 to 22 in the Sunshine Coast. So congratulations to them. And so there's one spot left in the 2023 Rugby World Cup, uh, and that has been played in November between the US, Portugal, Kenya and Hong Kong to decide who gets that last spot, uh, which, I mean... I guess it doesn't really matter. I think Portugal are the highest ranked, but US are the favourites going into it. Um, it doesn't really matter. Like They're not going to trouble too much the World Cup, but it'll be good. I mean, it would be diabolical for the sport of rugby for the US not to make it. Saying that, yep. it would also be quite funny. Um, but I did have a topic I wanted to get pretty deep into, uh, and that is the All Blacks and the coaching changes. Mm. Now... If you hadn't seen over the past week, Ian Foster's obviously been retained for the Rugby World uh, Championship. However, he's lost his two assistants. And should I say he's lost his two assistants? New Zealand Rugby has fired the two assistants. And John Plumtree and the attacking coach, his name slips my mind. I'm going to find it. It is Brad Moore. Uh, so those two have been let go. Now, what strikes me uh, as interesting and from this more than anything else um, is the fact that these were play, uh, coaches that he's brought to the system. So mm. he's in 2019 when they interviewed and I kind of, I had to go back and do some reading because I was like, I'm 90% sure, but 2019, here's the situation. Razor Robinson against uh, Ian Foster for the, the head coaching job of the All Blacks. Now, Razor goes in there and he offers his obviously his role and he takes uh, Jason Ryan Ford's coach from the Crusaders with him and the Hurricanes assistant co oh, a, a coach now Jason Holland to be one of his assistants so those were his two assistants now Ian Foster has a team of John Plumtree Moore um, Greg Flake and Scott McLeod those other names don't really matter but John Plumtree and Moore are now gone so the two that he kind of brought are gone funnily enough 
the new Ford's coach is Jason Ryan, who Razor Robinson brought with him to be his assistant if he had been elected for the job or been selected to coach the All Blacks was going to be his Ford's coach. So first of all, guys, I think the New Zealand rugby is planning a situation here is if Ian Foster was to go terribly at the Rugby World Championship, that we could have a pretty smooth move in with Razor. We've already got his Ford's coach in. Chances are if they were interested in and Razor at the time did call out to Tony Brown to get him to coach, but he stuck with Japan. Whoever he wanted, he could go in there. Now, I did some more digging, and I was quite interested, actually, at the 29 coaches' decision, and some words that were said by certain people that now ring really true. Now, who said these things is actually quite an important person, and it's really, really interesting. His name's David Moffat. Now, I don't know if you've ever heard his name before. You probably haven't. But Moffat is an Englishman who does a, has done quite a lot in sport administration. So he was administrator at the International Rugby Board. He was a chief art, architect of SANZA, which is South Africa, New Zealand, Australian Rugby. Mm-hmm. He was the executive director of New South Wales Rugby Union. He was a chief CEO at New Zealand Rugby from 1996 to 2000. He was a CEO at Australian National Rugby League in 1999. And he was the chief executive or CEO of Sport England. And then he was also uh, the CEO of the Welsh Rugby from 2002 to 2005. Also apparently offered the English football job in 2003. So in 2019, we're going to take you back there. To decide who was going to be the coach, it was uh, the new CEO coming in for New Zealand Rugby, Mark Robinson, the New Zealand Rugby chairman, Brent Impey, uh, and also Graham Henry, the high perform uh, NZRU high performance Mike Anthony, and an ex Silver Ferns coach, our netball team. Uh, I'm not can't even pronounce the name, but I'm going to try. Waimarama Tamanu. So again, was just I think a bit of a tip. Make sure that she's also it's all above board. So uh, Graham Henry's the big one that they've brought in on that that process, and the reason that is is because he obviously has quite a lot of influence in New Zealand rugby. Kind of had the building of getting um, Hanson through. You know, he led us to Rugby World Cup titles. So it's an interesting one. But Moffat goes, at the time, he believes it's a one-horse race. Um, because, purely because <laughs> of having Graham Henry on the board. And, and the, what he says is just fascinating. I'm going to read it out word for word. The thing that troubles me about the whole thing is there seemed to be a view, uh, been a view preferred by Henry then Hanson, that it's their job to create a dynasty. And whoever the assistant coach is will automatically become the coach. As we know with dynasties, at some point, they don't work. I'm not suggesting that Foster is not a good coach. I just don't know he's a head coach in that regard. And who takes who he takes with him is going to be terribly important. A guy like John Plumtree, who's been mentioned, could be crucial as it's very important for him to have the right people around him. Moffat says, Henry's inclusion on the panel strongly favours Foster's retention, though he notes an outstanding view can sometimes change. The four most important positions in New Zealand rugby are the chairman, CEO, All Blacks coach and captain. Uh, he said, one, one piece of advice to the new CEO is forget everything you learned in the business world. You are now in the business of rugby. There's an old saying in the rugby, there's too much of a business to, a bit, to be a sport and too much of a sport to be a business. This is a huge test for Robinson, the new CEO, not Razor Robinson, the new CEO yeah, Robinson. 
If he gets it wrong, his first major decision, it's a big black mark on his CV. Ultimately, he's going to be judged on how the coaching team works. All the pressure is on MP Robinson and the new coach to get this right. So that was 2019. We're in 2022, and I don't think I could hear true words be spoken than what he said in 2019. They had a big decision. They got a former coach who was part of, again, it's getting talked a lot about, like, the fraternity of the All Blacks coaches, the dynasty is what he uses here, the boys club, whatever you want to mention. The man who pretty much invented the dynasty, Graham Henry, who then gave it to Hanson, who now has given it to Ian Foster, and it's just been this pass along, pass along, pass along, is on the deciding factors on who gets made the, the All Blacks coach. So we're sitting here and we go, Razor Robinson really never stood a chance. Now we're sitting here three years later, two of his assistants are gone, and as, as Moffat said, how important those people close to him would be, we've gone with an assistant who Razor Robinson brought to the table as was going to be his assistant. It's all pointed to signs that New Zealand rugby, without trying to admit they got it wrong, are looking to slowly make a move. And I mean slowly, rugby championship, depending how this goes, if it doesn't go right, Razor will be the next coach after the rugby championship, I think. <laughs> a good deep dive into into sort of the back the background of it all and it is very interesting um and, you know here in australia we don't see a lot of it because um we've got too many of our own problems um and i, I think you know new zealand rugby is like the new england patriots like the melbourne storm uh they are have been such a dynasty such a powerhouse for such a long time um that when they hit a bit of a rough patch it is a huge deal right um you know, like Australia's lost a series against England and there aren't calls for Dave Rennie's head kind of yeah. thing. You know, I mean, he's not obviously locked in that position for life. There's uh, questions about, you know, who who will replace him sort of already. Um, you know, not right now, but, you know, maybe a couple of years if things don't work out. But he's still sort of being uh, touted along there. Um, you know, it, it it's kind of interesting to see from an Australian perspective because the All Blacks are just so good to us. They just, they, they it, it's... You know, I think the, the the main dynasty that New Zealand rugby has had and has been passed down has been their record against the Wallabies and has been the Bledisloe Cup. So for me, that that is automatically, I guess, for whatever coach that is for whatever New Zealand coach I should say that is the that is the the death knell. If you if you're the coach that loses the Bledisloe, you're gone, right? Yeah. It's as simple as that. Like you know, um. And I, I don't. I, you can't argue then. Like there's, there's, there's nothing you can really argue um, for, for why you should retain your job. Um, I guess compared to, to other All Blacks coaches, until at least Australia reestablishes themselves as, uh, as consistently uh, equal opponents that, you know, winning a few Bledisloe's. You sort of what like New South Wales had to do against Queensland, right? Um, except on a much larger, much more <laughs> difficult scale and stage. Um, so it's just yeah, yeah it, it, it it's, interests it's me. Hard to see. It interests yeah. me how interesting his words were. Like back then, that would have been quite a big deal. Like oh, you don't say that about a an All Blacks coach. And you know, this is an Englishman who's just put it on a on a plate for us all to see, and has exactly spoken the future. Like we've we've ticked boxes, ticked boxes for so long, and dynasties don't. If you don't involve 
dynasties will die. Like we, we've seen it, and it, it's funny enough. I, I mentioned it in one of the videos I, I, I did for. I actually cut it out of the video because I, I rambled on for too long when I was uh, talking about like the Super Rugby, and I think it was talking about the Crusaders or something. And when I was back at school, our first fifteen was unreal. So our our, our top team, um, and I think we'd won like four in a row, and we'd won. I want to say like seven of the past nine or something like that championships. And as we were kind of coming to the end of the year and stuff, and it was going to be, it looked like we had another good team. You know, we were coming off the back of Lima Sopawonga being like our first five. Like we were, we were hot shit. We were the school to beat. And and one of our PE coaches, who was the first fifteen coach, goes, "This this isn't going to last forever. Teams are going to catch us. You know, talent changes hands at points. It doesn't last forever." And I just in my head was like. Just the blasphemy he's just spoken about my school. My my, we don't lose. That's not something we do. Like, but it happens. Dynasties change. You know, five years later, we were struggling to even make semi-finals, and it goes. If you don't involve with it, it, it will collapse. And I just think those words were just incredible to read back. I was like, I, all I was looking was for the the coaching group that they both brought to the interviews, and what I kind of uncovered was. Was just truce, and it, and it hurt. It touched. It touched my soul. Uh, not a lot of things touch my soul, but it touched my soul when I sat there and I read that. And I said, "That isn't." If I haven't read a more correct fact, again, I don't think Ian Foster's a bad coach. I think he's getting a lot of blame for a lot more. I think he made the wrong choice with captain. I think the, NZ, the, the New Zealand rugby probably made the wrong choice three years ago, and now he's having to live with that. But it's just, just phenomenal to me. Just mm. reading back that. Yeah, it's a good, it's it's a tremendous bit of a, a foresight by that writer. Yeah. Um, did you have anything else rugby-wise you wanted to touch base on? Oh, oh we we would get. I see you've got down here the World Cup pools. I haven't really looked at the, the oh, pools yes, before today. Point. Let me bring this. But up. uh, but yeah, look at the pools now. So Pool A is New Zealand, France, Italy, Uruguay, and Namibia. Pool B is South Africa, Ireland, Scotland, Tonga, and Romania. Pool C is Wales, Australia, Fiji, Georgia, and the final qualifying team. And Pool D is England, Japan, Argentina, Samoa, and Chile. Pool D, I think, for me, is the most interesting pool. So I think England will come top of that, but between Japan and Argentina for that second spot will be good. And Samoa is um, a sneaky one for for getting an upset game in there to, to knock someone out. Pool C, that's, for my mind, that's Australia's pool to lose. I mean, we've... Not that got the best record against Wales, which might be playing on the mind, and especially from the last World Cup, the pool game that we lost against Wales was a bit of a, if you want to think, or maybe it was Ireland, but the, I get it mixed up. Uh, yeah. And don't come at me, I'm I'm part Welsh as well. I've got a Welsh jersey in my closet. <laughs> They're my second team after Australia. Um, but yeah, so uh, you know, that's that to me seems like probably the easiest pool. Like for Australia, yes. that should be the pool that they they should win that pool. They should win that pool. Uh, that, pool that, B is a bit of a dangerous one. That's the one. And the, the, the crazy thing is is Pool A and Pool B, New Zealand, France, yeah, South Africa, Ireland, you'd expect to make that through. They Those will be the semifinals. So I don't know yeah. if you remember a while ago I did say, I said, Australia are in a really good position for this World Cup because yeah. let's say, again, you finish top of Pool C, England finish top of Pool D, you may end up facing a... A Japan or Argentina in the semi-final, uh, yeah. in the in the quarter-final, and then an England in the semi-final where you've shown you can beat them in a one-off game. It's in yeah. France, so it's not like it's a, a strongly English favoured favoured crowd. And let's say you make it to the semi-final, I imagine there'll be some 
Australians in their Aaron Williams and uh, Wallaby scarves flying across. Uh, oh, absolutely. So I, I would imagine there'd probably be a private jet going. I w- it wouldn't surprise me with the, the the amount of money that I see flowing around at, at Sydney Cricket right. Ground the other week. Uh, but I'm just going, you know what? That's the f- like pull A, pull B. Only <laughs> only two teams of that going to that quarterfinal, uh, semi-final is just. It's going to be an incredible World Cup. It's going to be a tough yeah. World Cup. New Zealand, I don't think, are favourites, but I don't. I don't know. You know, it's hard to put a favourite between New Zealand, France, South Africa, and Ireland now because they're all going to yeah. go. For each other, so uh, I just I remember discussing this year a while ago and going the the closer and closer we get, the more and more the English and the uh, and Australians will be licking their lips and, and even the Welsh, you know, will be like, hey, if we can upset a couple of people here and there, Argentina, Japan as well will be like, oh, yeah. <laughs> you know, favourable side of the upset, Yeah, it would say Australia comes top of that pool, Wales comes second. You know, Wales always get up for for England. They hate the English. You know, they exactly. could upset the. The English there and everything like that as well. So, yeah, interesting, uh, interesting draw. I, as I said, I hadn't really looked at it uh, too much before, but looking at it now, yeah, I'm excited for for next year. Yes, it is. It's going to be one hell of a build up, I must say. Um, anything else rugby wise you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, just uh, you know, looking forward to international rugby being back in a uh, two weeks. I think two uh, weeks. Yeah. Yeah, Australia yeah, versus Argentina weeks. will be a good series, and the rugby championship yeah, overall will be good. One o'clock wake-ups is going to have to be for me. <laughs> As I watch New Zealand versus South Africa. God, we better win. Yeah. All right, let's quickly touch base. Now, are you, are you much... I know you're a gamer, but are you much of a Madden gamer? I think we've discussed this before. Not anymore. Not anymore. And Not I know anymore. why you're why you're bringing this up. And let me preempt you and just say, look, I used to be into Madden. It's actually how I got into NFL. Um was I played a bit of Madden and that's how I learned the game. So I watched it on TV and then I decided to play Madden and I learned the game from that. That being said, Madden's a joke. Right? <laughs> Madden's a joke. And if you need to know why Madden's a joke, if you need to know why Luke's bringing this up, it's because of the player ratings that are slowly being released. And the most controversial rating that's come out of this is that Miles Garrett is rated 99 overall, but TJ Watt <laughs> is rated 96 overall. And TJ Watt has just won Defensive Player of the Year, beating Miles Garrett quite handily in that vote. I might add, but still, but it's an overall theme that the Steelers are always rated relatively low in Madden. And they put Mitch Trubisky at 69 overall as well. No Steelers quarterback is even in the seventies, which I think is a bit harsh overall though. It is what it is. At the end of the day, it's a fucking video game, right? TJ, Watt's still one defensive player of the year. Miles Garrett hasn't got one. So suck it. Browns. <laughs> Your quarterback's not playing this year or for the next 10 years, probably. So, uh, as controversial as that one was, it wasn't my most yeah. controversial one. My most okay. controversial is I did see that and go, oh, Susie's not going to be happy. Um, and I do not know how TJ Watt was in a 99. Um, yeah. Or even if you're going to do that, they're both 98s or whatever you're choosing to do. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, you cannot rate Miles Garrett higher than TJ Watt. TJ Watt, Miles Garrett was the number one overall pick of that draft. TJ Watt was the 30th overall pick, right? They're the same draft. TJ Watt's played a couple more games because. Miles Garrett's been injured, so he's a soft boy, right? TJ Watt has had way better stats in those games. Even if you go on a per-game basis, his rate at absolutely everything is better than Miles Garrett. Now, 
Browns fanboys will bring out some made-up pro football focus, fucking made-up <laughs> stat of anything like that. Pro football focus is all subjective, right? There's not, it's not actually on a metric. It's not on a, a value that you can, you can see like this is why Miles, this is a stat that Miles Garrett's put. It. It's just like if a, a pro football focus analyst decides, oh yeah, he's 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 won that rep. Yeah, I, I'm giving Miles Garrett a tick for that one. It's completely subjective. It's utter bullshit, and there's absolutely no way. And you know how. We could subjectively say not only by numbers, but by opinion that TJ Watt is better because the, there's a reason that the Pro Football Writers Association of America voted TJ Watt um, <laughs> or Associated Press, whatever it is, whoever decided, they decided TJ Watt was Defensive Player of the Year, right? By quite a large margin. So, yeah. Madden, no. Madden, uh, Madden ratings play people, whoever you are, you fucking suck at your job. Yeah. This, the, 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 the one that really got to me was the quarterbacks. Now, mm. as much as I have seen some shit, this is the shit that really hit the shit. Now, I'm just going to... I don't even know how I'm going to read this. I'm going to go from 1 to 10. And I just want to say, I want you to think if you go you go yes or no, if that's the right rating for them, all right? Yeah, I, I think I've seen these, but I yeah. can't remember them exactly, yeah. Tom Brady, 97, number one. Uh... Maybe a little bit high now. Like, Actually, we'll go higher, high. high, higher, lower, right. Uh, so you can you can go. Okay, so yeah. Tom Brady, ninety-seven overall. Uh, so wait, do you want me to say if it's too high, too low, or do you think when we say if it's should yeah, be high, go, should be let's low? Let's go. Let's go too high, too low, and then right. Okay. So Tom it's Brady, ninety-seven. Too high, too high. No, but not yeah. by too much. I think he should be ninety-five, ninety-four. Just Aaron age Rod- is just taking some some of it a little bit off. Aaron Rodgers, number two, ninety-six. Uh, about right. I'm gonna I'm gonna say something controversial right here. I don't think any quarterback at the moment is 99 overall. Agreed. Agreed. I, I like that they didn't I, I do think, that. But yeah. Um, so what was that? Rogers? He was 96. 96. Yep. Patrick yep, Mahomes, right. number three, 95. Uh, yeah, about right. I could see him 96 as well. I could. I'd put him on the same plane as Rogers. Josh Allen, number four, 92. Probably a bit low. I think he should be a little bit higher. He should be up around 94, 95. Yep. Joe Burrow, 90. Uh, high. I think he's too high. He should be lower. should be lower. I think he's probably around in 87, 88. 88 I think that's what I, because I he made the, made the Super Bowl, yep. like he, he gets a little bit more props, but I think that probably takes a little bit away from the, the defense. Dak Prescott, number six, 89. <laughs> high. He's way too high yeah. there. Yep. He should be around eighty-three. Yep. He ca- he's Dak Prescott is the Parramatta Eels of the NFL. He <laughs> is consistently inconsistent, right? He can play up super super high, but he can also has very very bad. And the amount of games that he's crumbled under pressure makes me think he's around at eighty-four. Number seven, Justin Herbert, eighty-eight. Uh, probably a little bit low. I'd actually probably put him around ninety-two. I Russell. think he's. I, I think it's only because it's his second year. I think it, people is a little Stop bit sort that. of like hesitant on him, but I, it's not too. It's not the most egregious thing I've ever heard. Russell Wilson, eighty-seven. I think that's right. I think he's, that's about right for Russell Wilson. I would go. He he deserves higher. I think they're just basing mm. that completely off last season. When I'm like, he didn't have. He hasn't had an offensive line for so long. The stuff he yeah. does is incredible. But he's also some of his decision making is questionable. So, yeah. Uh, number nine, Lamar Jackson, 87. Um, 
it's hard because it, it depends on like the, the sort of stuff that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, think yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. What home did you go? About, yeah, sorry. I think it's about I think it's about right for Lamar Jackson about eighty seven overall. His his legitimately you're, he's similar, like not not same yeah. as in Dick Prescott, but he could at moments he has ninety nine overall plays, and then at moments he yeah. has like eighty overall plays. So I don't yeah. mind it. Now this one is where I'm like, okay, game's broken. Number ten, Matthew Stafford, eighty five. That's low. He just won the Super Bowl. Like <laughs> I'm like, if you're rating up... Joe Burrow ninety. Yeah, what, he like, should be. What yeah, Stafford should be Stafford should be up there around. Uh, I would put him the same as Josh Allen. Yeah. So whatever yeah. Josh Allen is, he should be around the same. Good. I'm glad we're on the same level. We, we agree that the game's broken then. Um, yeah. But yeah, I, I also I will yeah. be one of those people that fork out a hundred dollars and play the game, um, even though it does break multiple times and it yeah. ruins your life for a little bit. But hey, uh, fantastic, excellent, yeah. well. Uh, another potty done. Potty thirty one in the books. Yeah. Do you want to leave us with one of the alliterations? That you, that you, oh, that you putting me on the spot here. <laughs> uh, uh, um, Madden's uh, okay. Uh, uh, Madden's messed up metrics make middle schoolers mad. <laughs> well done well done yeah put him on the spot smashed yeah. it as always our man our creative genius Husey. uh watch out for yeah. later in the week i will be dropping a video on the warriors i've done a big review of the nrl warriors uh into how they're how they're crumbling at the moment and what what the reasons are and and that, um, so watch out for that on our YouTube uh, and watch out a couple more videos coming out from Yakuza soon as well. Uh, maybe a bit slow on the gram this week just purely because of the arm and I can't type. Uh, but yes, yep. we will be back yet again next week. So join us again next week for another podcast. But thank you for joining us this week and we will see you later. Last time I wear this jersey in a podcast. See you later. <laughs> Peace. <laughs>